This episode. I'm hosting. I know. I was about to set you up so you could just. <laughs> I don't quit. need you. I right. don't need you. Okay, you don't need me. All right. <clears throat> All right. Hey guys, welcome <laughs> to the. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined it. It was so good. I was so hyped. We're, we're keeping it going. I'm not stopping this. Let's, right. let's keep this train rolling. All right. Hey guys, welcome to the Burnout Brighter Christmas Special. Christmas Special. Christmas Special. Episode 18. Yeah, it's episode 18. So if this is your first time listening, we talk about gaming and mental health. And actually, we've expanded to talk about a lot of different topics. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple, Google, and all the other major services. Services. (laughs) So this time I was prepared. (laughs) And uh, I thought of some questions on my way here. Five minutes before I got to the door. Nice. All right, so my first question is for Darren. What? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, hold on. Real quick, before we start, yeah. cheers, guys. Oh. Cheers Cheers to the first three months, four months of the oh, podcast. Shit. Four yeah. months. Wow. Cheers to a year end. And cheers to many, many more years of fun in the sun. What kind of whiskey is this? It's whiskey. Mm. What kind of whiskey is this? It's whiskey. It's, uh... <laughs> How big of a sip did you take? It's, it's is it Tennessee Walker? It's Jim Bean Black. I was oh. going to say, it's, it's potent. Yeah, it's whiskey. Yeah. Alright, that's Tastes the like question. Tastes like whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, um... Mm. My question is... Oh. It, it starts off with a preface. So okay. I need you to tell me three of the most useless side characters in any game that you've ever played. Like, just completely, why are, we, why are they even in the game? Okay. Um, Can I answer this one for you really quick? No. no. Just, just, it's not a serious answer. Okay, fine. All three of them are that fucking thing from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 that refers to itself in the third person. Very close. All three of them. I was going to say that useless thing that refers to itself in the third person in Xenoblade Chronicles X. Tatsu. Okay. Xenoblade Chronicles X exists just so one of the characters can make 70 hours of potato jokes. Okay. Okay. And That's ruin one. the story. Um, another one. Like Cody does. <laughs> at work. Just kidding, Cody. <laughs> uh, although I have not played it, uh, probably your rival in Pokemon Sword and Shield because he exists just to lose to you and be endlessly optimistic for no good reason. No, 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 no. I'm, I'll augment that. The champion is worse. Wow. The champion is worse. Okay, but he accomplishes things in the story. Not much. He literally ignores global warming. Okay, Here's the fine. second part to fine. my question. Sorry, go on. And then uh, the last one is... Um, I don't know. I have to pick the last one. I'm drawing... Okay, 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 okay. Now you remind me of Nari, who's completely useless, and I was like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> oh! Fine. In Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Okay. Because all she does is stop you dead in your tracks to tell you information you already know if your IQ is higher than 27. All right, great. So now you have 35 minutes, and one of these characters is the only one who can save you by disarming a bomb. Which one are you going to pick? <laughs> Should have picked that one from Chronicles 2. Isn't he an engineer? <laughs> he is. <laughs> 
but the problem is, is he's more useful than the other one because he actually fights things. The other one just gets his shit knocked out of him in every scene. Okay, so which one? Oh, I guess Fi. Because Fi is turns into a literal sword and she does seem to have like an AI's intelligence, so she can give you percentage chances of different things working. I think she's just gonna bore me to death before the bomb explodes. Oh, so you're gonna die in all the scenarios. Die I'm gonna probably die in all the scenarios, but she will give me the highest percentage chance of survival. Nice. That's good. That was a good answer, Darren. Thank you. Good work. That's a good question. Thank, Thank you. you. That was a good Thank question. You. Man, I don't prepare, th- preparing is really something, huh? Yeah. yeah. I don't feel well, sexually uncomfortable with this question. Why would you feel sexually uncomfortable at all, Darren? Well... We all know you're a freak. Have you heard all sheets? the questions that Matt's asked? Have you heard about him asking about shoes? <laughs> Truth. That one made me sexually uncomfortable. <laughs> all right, so my question for the lovely Matt. Yeah. If you could make a 90s-themed sitcom, like Friends or mm-hmm. Seinfeld, yeah, yeah. Okay. who would be your main character and why? Uh-huh. And then... The four side characters to go with them. Like, what would be the whole point of the show? Ooh. 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 This is a good question. Okay. I think I would base the entire show, I almost said game, the entire show around Sora from Kingdom Hearts. And I'm channeling Darren, but I'm going to fill this in. (laughs) How dare you also pick Sora (laughs) from Kingdom Hearts? I'm going to pick Sora from Kingdom Hearts and then all the other Disney... No. I'd pick Sora... (laughs) And then I'd pick, for like the four supporting cast, I'd pick Conquer. Ooh, I like that. I'd pick Conquer. I'd pick, who's another dummy? Or like a perverted thing. I'm trying to think of more perverted video game characters. Travis Touchdown from No More Heroes. No More Heroes, good one. Um, And then I would also pick, I'd pick Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. So is this all a male cast? I'm getting there. This is like the, this is like the... He's a straight man. Okay. And then I would pick... <laughs> like, I was like, he's a straight man. <laughs> like, he's like, I mean, like, in the comedy yeah, side yeah, yeah. of it. <laughs> Not in, like, whatever. Well, we don't know what sort of... I'm saying, that's like, fine. Like, and then as... As, as, as my... <laughs> doggy style. <laughs> and then as my final character, I would pick... I would pick Rise from... Persona 4 Golden. Okay. And the entire setup for this thing would be Sora gets stuck in a university town world, Mm -hmm. and he has to join a frat house. Oh Oh my god. This already sounds amazing. I love it. So, Rise would live in the sorority. She'd be like the head of the sorority. Uh Uh-huh. And then the guys at the frat house would be trying to, like, corrupt Sora (laughs) and, and get him to join their wily, dirty ways. But does he like like what's the point of Risa? Does he like her? Maybe like they're like let's say let's say they're rivals with the sorority. Okay. But he's got a crush on like the Ooh, rival sorority. Forbidden love. President. Oh, forbidden love's always a good sell. So yeah. that's what I mean. I think that's what I would do. Okay. That's good. That sounds good. I would, I would, I would watch, watch it that too. Right. I would watch yeah. It, yeah. And then like obviously it would be like friendship and stuff, and he'd help them all turn better. But then the season finale. I feel like Conquer should never turn better. I feel like he should be a <laughs> dick to the very end. Like, but that's what I mean. Conquer would like fake getting better, and it mm. shouldn't go down in the season finale. Wow. Because uh, he'd fuck Goofy. I'd resign. <laughs> I'd resign for a new season. That's what Sounds I mean. Sounds good. Okay, Destiny. Do you, Darren, do you, have a, do you want to do this, or should I do this? You do it. Okay. If you had to pick 
if, so say Santa comes to you, yeah. right? And he's like, shit's, <laughs> shit's gone fucked. Right. Rudolph's dead. Okay. Rudolph's dead. He he's got, not a main part of the team anyway. He, he yeah. got into he got into some of the bad milk, and he, he took. <laughs> he, took <laughs> Santa's, he got into Santa's bad boy milk. Okay. He got, he, and he took Naughty down. Boy he milk. took down two other reindeer with him. You now need to pick three characters, like one of them, to be like the new Rudolph, and three other characters to help him pull the sleigh. Who I do you pick? A, oh, okay, so. It can be from a video game. Yeah, they have to be. They have to be video game characters. Can it and they be a video have... game that's based off of a movie. Too late. You didn't say I couldn't. <laughs> I would pick. pick it can't pick ultimate reality. I wouldn't. Rudolph. I wouldn't do that. Okay. Okay. I'm going to pick Airbud. No, I don't think he had a game. Yeah, Did he have a game? surprisingly, no Airbud games. I'm gonna check. Go on. Um, I would pick. Um, I don't know if the dog's name was Spike or Spot from Nightmare Before Christmas. Because oh. his nose actually lights Zero. up. Zero. I would pick Ooh, him. That's a good That's a good Rudolph. Okay. okay. So I'd pick him for Rudolph. Um, um, and then I need two others, right? Three others. Three. He, took no. three, he took three other reindeer down with him. You said, you said two. Okay, two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he took four like, other reindeer with him. He took I all would, of them. I <laughs> 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 all the reindeer are dead. Every single one. <laughs> I would pick Storm. And I know that sounds really weird. Ooh, no. But she's not actually pulling the slate. She's just keeping the winds calm. So uh, I do need to pick somebody else. Yeah. Well, then right? you need Rudolph. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, like, she's keeping the winds calm. She's okay. not, like, doing anything with and the And she, she's not, like, lighting the way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then for my last one, I would pick... Ooh, this is hard. Who would I pick for my last Sora, because he can light the way with friendship. <laughs> <laughs> He'll open up Kingdom Hearts, which you Simba. know... Oh. Oh, good one. Can Simba fly? I mean, it's he, magic. None of the reindeer can actually fly. They fly because it's magic. That's true. They fly because of Tinkerbell. Uh, yeah. See, I was going to say Peter Pan. Well, Peter Pan flies because of Tinkerbell. Yeah. But Peter Pan's bigger than Tinkerbell. He yeah, but... Are, he can probably haul more weight. Are you saying the larger man can do more than the magical fairy Is this woman? a big dick contest? <laughs> Darren, really? On our, on our Christmas <laughs> special? God, Darren? way to get perverted. <laughs> Those are some good they questions. Were, they were good. I'm really proud of us. Yeah. Right. So <coughs> since this is our Christmas special, special, mm-hmm. we are going to be doing. You know what? I'm sorry. I keep saying special like I'm special, and that's really not Jesus. okay. No, I just realized <laughs> yeah. that's really shitty. I'm really sorry. <laughs> special. We are special, <laughs> baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> We're going to be doing um, things a little differently. We're not going to be talking about... Go, Darren. The news. And go, Matt. Games that matter. What we are going to be talking about is... Go, Wonder Twins. Games of the Decade. Woo! Powers activate. Shape of a bucket. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Fill me up. I'm the bucket. You're so dirty. I'm the... I'm the bucket shape of a hose. <laughs> okay. So which one of you would like to go first? Go you know okay, so I think <laughs> I don't know. So I think the way that we should do this is go back and forth one and one. <clears throat> And go down our list that way. Are we gonna talk, we're not going to talk about games of, uh, that we play yeah, in the but days? 
I thought of the, was... of yesterday. Very quickly, a minute. What have you been playing? Go. I've been playing the new season of Apex Legends, the Winter Game, where you get to ride on a train, and I like it because Apex is very slow. Sometimes you're trying to you know hide around, but the train is instant action all the time. The Just train. Three teams of three try and fight for control of the train, and it really shows how strong Apex's shooting mechanics are. And respawn is the best in the business. It's the I don't like multiplayer shooters. Apex is the only multiplayer shooter that I find myself going back to, and so I've been I've been playing more Apex. So like, good on you, respawn. Cool. Uh, D, have you what? have you been playing anything? What? No. <laughs> And that turned into fuck me. No, I, oh, I said fight me. Oh, I thought he said fuck me. Oh, I said so you like PUBG? Fuck me. No, no, no okay. <laughs> I said fight me, fight me, not fuck me. Fuck me, baby. Fight me. Okay. Well, that's why my reaction was like, what? All right. Um. Have anyways, you, yeah. you been playing anything? Yeah. Um. But you should go first. Okay. I've been playing. So I'm disc- I've been playing a little bit more Disco Elysium. Uh, it continues to be lots of fun. I got stuck for a little while and then realized I just didn't go like south in the map. I thought it was blocked off. It wasn't. Um, the writing continues to be fucking hilarious. Uh, quick story. I came across these two old men um, standing around and talking around like like metal balls on the ground. Obviously, they were playing some sort of game, right? <laughs> so as I'm having a conversation with them and as I approach them... The, the game gives me a couple different options, like engage with them. They're having an argument about this game that they're playing. Mm. And one of the options is to throw the ball. Okay. I miraculously, because keep in mind my character's pretty weak, pass the strength check. Wow. And I'm assuming, and this is where one of the first times that the game made me feel like a fucking idiot, <laughs> that my character knew what game they were playing, even though I did not. <laughs> I was wrong. So what he did is he went over, he picked up a ball, spun in a circle, and shot put that thing right into the fucking lake. <laughs> they are now both very mad at me, because that is not the game they were playing, and I have a new quest sign to find them a new ball. That's what happens when you assume. I, I, I you make an ass out of the game. And, 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 whole, and, and, and only you. And you. Um, I yeah. hate that. Assume. You make an ass out of you and me. Yeah. But it's only yeah, you. It's only you. Yeah. yeah. Right? Why am I... It's yeah, somebody thought it was clever because of the way it was spelled. Yeah. Dummy. But oh, they idiot. assumed wrong. Fuck, fucking Shakespeare. Fucking <laughs> Shakespeare. To assume or not to assume. <laughs> Both make an ass out of not just you, but also I. So I mean me. <laughs> so will they like kill you if you don't do that quest? I don't know. I have no idea. I, like I said, I'm, I need more time with it. I'm really enjoying it. It continues to be a lot of fun. And yeah. Cool. Go Disco. Yeah. What are you? And oh, sorry. Very quickly, uh, I continue to click the cookies. And you changed to alpha, right? Uh, I did change to alpha. Has done nothing for me yet because I don't have enough magic cookies. Whatever the fuck it is. Heavenly chips. Heavenly chips. I continue to click the cookies. The cookies will continue to be clicked for the foreseeable future. When the cookies stop clicking, I'll give you an update <gasps> then too. But I'm up to like trillions of cookies. I'm up to like when I get my multiplier, I'm built. I'm I'm making like a billion cookies a second. So. Yes. Go cookies. And I'm currently at 100 decillion cookies. It's like I'm sitting here but listening also, to crackheads. But uh, also, Alistair what? messaged me. Oh, God. And he said he was dying at my cookie clicker updates. Oh, yes. <laughs> and now he really wants your take on cookie clicker. Never, Alistair. So he's like... <laughs> Never! He's like, please ask Destiny to just give it a give it a try. Give it a couple days. Just to see what you think. I'll just tap see. his screen a few times. Just try it to see how it feels. Baby. <sighs> no. It's the principle now. <laughs> I cannot. 
We'll work on it. <laughs> Dee, what have you been playing? I've been playing Life is Strange. Ooh, the first, first one. one? The first one. Oh, shit. Um, so, because I already kind of know what's, like, what's going on, it's mostly me trying to figure out the best answers. But I think, like... Oh, so you've played the game before. No. Oh. I just heard about it. Oh, right, right, right. Because okay. it's been a while yeah. since yeah. it's been out. Long time. But, um, I think, like, now I'm just trying to get, like, the best possible solution from, like, all the solutions I've heard, like, mm -hmm. how it ends or whatever. So, um... What episode are you on? Oh, God, I can't remember. Um, Kate hasn't died yet. She's about to Spoilers. die. Spoilers! It's not a spoiler! The game's been out for, like, years! <laughs> it's a spoiler. For oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> But she doesn't have to die, okay. so it's not a spoiler. Well, Fuck you. <laughs> she doesn't have to die. Spoilers. It's not a spoiler! <laughs> Sorry, it might be a little bit of a spoiler. People might die in the game. <laughs> One of them may be Kate. One of them may be Kate. <laughs> Maybe not. You might be able to save her. Spoilers. <laughs> Fuck you. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, how are you liking it? It's... It, I don't even want to play it anymore now. <laughs> no, it's it's legit. I heard it's really good. Wait, I feel like the game's been out long enough that I can say things about it. Because I want to talk about it. But then you guys are going to be spoiling it. Well, you can still talk about it. I don't know how to talk about it without spoiling it. Well, like, do you like... What do you like about the story? What do you like about the mechanics? I, th there's basically no mechanics other than rewinding time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Have you played a lot of other, like point-and-click adventure-style yeah, games. Yeah, I know it's very heavy on, like, the story part of it. I think what gets you playing is, like, it leaves on all these, like, crazy cliffhangers. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So, like, you want to be like, what's going on? And it kind of starts off with, like, this huge fucking tornado. So you're like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. But then, like, as I'm playing it, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I already figured out what's going on. Yeah. Do you think the episodic nature of it fits the way that the story's being told? I think they could have released the whole game and not did it like that, but I think the reason why they did it was to keep the hype up about the game. Also, like, keep the income. Because yes. it's a small, pretty small studio, don't yes. know it, I'm pretty sure. So uh, Nice. We'll keep us posted. I need to... I actually have always wanted to play it. I bought it and I just never played it. okay. People die. And do you like the writing? Do you like the writing and the characters? Um, I like the music. Okay. Nice. I don't know if I like the the writing because some of it seems very cheesy, like I'm watching a teen movie mm -hmm. that's supposed to be serious. Right. Oh, um, okay. What do you think? Does of, that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you, what do you think of the characters like Max and uh, Chloe? I think Max is your type. <laughs> okay. I think Max is your type. I think Chloe. I like Chloe, but she seems she's trying too hard to be like angry about stupid shit. Like my yeah. dad left me. Uh, very like, angsty teenagers. Yeah, very, oh, yeah, like, yeah. super... Like, it's, like, a caricature of what teenagers would be. Yeah, I see. Teenagers written by a bunch of adults. Yes. So, is it, like, the game is meant to be serious? Like, it's not, like, supposed to be, like, that kind of... I think it's supposed... It's meant to be serious. I see, okay. It's just, I've, yeah, like, I've some played. of the writing is very cringy. Yeah. Nice, okay. Cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. All right, so now we're going to jump into the top... Ten games of the decade. Top ten games of the decade. Decade, decade, decade. Dick. All right. All right. So. Darren, rock, paper, scissors. Let's see who goes first. Rock, scissors, paper. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh. I guess you get to choose. Do you want to go first or second? I'll go first. So we we so Darren and I don't know each other's lists. 
And, but and we, we do. I, but the thing that we do know about each other's lists is Darren's is depressing, while mine is not. Because it's not really depressing. It's just. He has a lot to say. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah, Destiny saw that my list included, like, giant thought bubbles about my opinions <laughs> and my, like, distaste and stuff like that. Um, and I guess we should also preface this by saying that the games that we chose are not necessarily games that we enjoyed. They're just games that we think defined the decade. Yeah. And it's not necessarily games that we've played too much. It's yeah. just that, like, over the last ten years, which games have kind of stood out, which have influenced the industry in some way, shape, or form, and which do we think, when people look back on the 2010s, which games will people talk about? So basically, which games have the largest influence, yeah. period. Yeah. That's yeah. basically what it and is. And I'll straight up say that I have not played a lot of these games, actually, on my list. I have a few. I have a good chunk of mine that I haven't played as well, but we, it'll make more sense as we go. Yeah. All right, Dan, I'll start to, okay. give us, uh, to give us a bit of an optimistic get-go. Okay. Okay, so my first game is Minecraft. Ooh! It came out in 2011. No, no, it came out in 2009. It came out early. 2011 is when it launched on... Oh, that's when the, it officially launched the 1.0. I think so. Because when I looked it up, it was 2011. I think that's a little... I, I feel like I played it before then it on definitely, computer. It, it beta came out in 2009. Yes. That's when I Minecraft is a sandbox video game created by Swedish developer Marcus Benson, released by Mojang in 2011, purchased by Microsoft in 2014. Maybe the no, it came release. out before that then, because it they, they didn't purchase it like three years after it came but out. But I will allow it. Because Microsoft did. No, I'm I'm saying like yeah. I played it before it came out. Yeah. When, remember when I said um, it was an alpha. Yeah, and I bought it. Yeah, you oh, could, okay. and yeah. you could get free updates. Yeah. Right. You you could originally buy it while the game was still in alpha. I yes. think the official market release version came out in 2011 but i'll allow it because there's a lot of other actual like publication websites out there that have been putting it in their game of the decade list and i think they're basing it on the official release rather than the alpha release so yeah well and it did just because it didn't come out i guess well i still think i still think it hit its stride in yeah. the years like i mean the fact it's that still it's relevant like, today um the game is literally on Everything. Yeah. Um, so it looks like the first major update, dubbed Alpha version, was released on June 28th, 2010. What? Really? Hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. And it seems when was like beta out? I'm just, I'm looking into it now. Uh, well, while you're looking at So it. now, oh, okay, so initially it says, as what is now known as Minecraft Classic on May 17, 2009, the full release was 2011, and the first major yes. update was 2010. Okay, yeah. Okay, so that's what it was. Because I was like, I got that game way before Microsoft purchased yeah, yeah, yeah. it. It wasn't like three years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, anyways, I picked Minecraft because of just how important that game became. Yeah. And how friggin' much it, inf like, it, it, not even, how many people were playing, but how much it infiltrated the mainstream. And that's yeah. one of the few games that you have things like plushies that you can go buy that like kids were playing it, adults were playing it. It was a game that had a massive splash and continues to sell incredibly well. It's not uncommon for it to be in the top 20 games sold month to month, mm -hmm. even still today. And there's few games that that long after launch influenced the thing. Like it also influenced the mainstream with its building mechanics, right? Like you saw Fortnite pick up building mechanics when it came out. You saw even Dragon Quest Builders, who was a long-running JRPG franchise, who yeah. took a much more Minecraft spin after the game came out. Not so, just building, like crafting in general. Exactly. Minecraft was the really first big crafting game. Yeah. So like, I think that game is at least for like mainstream crafting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not to say that other games haven't done yeah, that yeah, before, yeah, but yeah, this yeah. is what like, yeah, yeah. Minecraft kind of put it on the map, yeah, right? Put it in every game. So I think Minecraft is 
super, super important. And I think that it deserves to be on this list, even though, like, I've honestly never played it. What? Um, yeah. Really? I, I'm not one for creative, like, like visually creative stuff. But, so for but, me, like, building and stuff, it just, like, even... But it's not just building now. Yeah. But, like, for me, that's what I think of when I think of Minecraft. Oh, okay. So, like, is, is the building, is the creating, is, like, seeing posts on Reddit about people making these extravagant castles and different shit. Yeah. And for me, I just, in any game I've ever played, I've never had the patience to put much effort into that side of the game. So I've never played it, but I can appreciate it for what it is and appreciate that what it did to the industry when it came out. I think you should try it. Because there's creative mode and then there's... Adventure mode. In adventure mode, which is like... Or survival. They call it survival, survivor, right? Yeah. Survival. And it's really fun. And now that people have their own... Um, their servers? Their so own servers. There's like games where it's like capture the flag or like... Oh, really? Bruh, there's like so much... Man. ...that you can do in this game that has nothing to do with building. That's crazy. Absolutely I knew they had server nothing. actually I know they had like a Hunger Games really popular like yes. Hunger Games style server for yes. Minecraft. They have a bunch of things that they've just because the game is so creative you can build your own style of game within the game. Good on them. Yeah. Right? Well that's what I mean like and I know it's been modded to death, right? Like some of those some of those um graphics updates, like the graphic mods oh, yeah. that people put on it, make it look fucking spectacular. Mm -hmm. So the thing is is that those are free too. Yeah. You can just download them. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, 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 think, I love Minecraft. I think for, for its the way that it allows people to create that, like I said, I have like a bunch of my kids that I teach, like, play it and love it. And like, even now, almost, well, I guess now a decade after it initially came out, it's still super relevant. It's on Netflix so, too. Yeah, yeah Minecraft, Minecraft Story Mode. Mode. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I, I think I think Minecraft is. <laughs> you laugh, but there is a really sad really? scene in oh, okay. it. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Bald for like twenty yeah. minutes. I'll have to take a look. Yeah. So and Minecraft was my first game of the decade. And I want to say just one thing about Minecraft, if that's okay, before we move on. No, and... Darren. <laughs> <laughs> I know we want to try and keep this no, like, no, no, go brisk, on. but um, I I do I I mean I'm probably what you'd call like a hipster, and I have a tendency to. Are you a hipster? Uh, well, I like hipsters. I have a tendency to, I think, start to innately hate on things once they become too popular, and I think that um, I give Minecraft a lot of crap. In Minecraft, when I think of it, I think of all the like the really embarrassing meme videos that like kids make and stuff like that. But I want to say something very positive, and Minecraft deserves all the recognition that it gets because of how influential it is how creative it is, how it can be used as a tool in some schools even to like help with education. Um, and yeah, I think I think gaming is better because of Minecraft being so created. Are you, are you saying that your cold, tiny heart <laughs> is growing maybe one size bigger, Grinch? Maybe, maybe. It might be Christmas, but that, that it might... Tis the season, Darren. Uh, yeah, so no. Good cool. job, Minecraft. So my first one is Minecraft. Okay. So for me, my first one, I've organized this. I know we did not have to, but I decided that I wanted to pick one game from every year of the decade. I like that you did that, I um, noticed. To try and keep and spread it out and look for... I wanted to tell a little story, a history of games. And yeah. I think I, I'm also a little nihilistic or uh, pessimistic when it comes to the, the AAA games media. So we're going to start positive, though, because I think... The decade started very, very positive. And the game that I think defined 2010... I was thinking Minecraft, but I was thinking of the Alphas in 2009, so I didn't pick it. But to me, 2010 was Red Dead Redemption. And 
Because that did come out in 2010, didn't it? It did. I forgot that when I was researching. <clears throat> I was like, I didn't realize it came out like that late. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption. And I did play Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption obviously being the next game that came out after Rockstar made Grand Theft Auto 4, which was like the most popular Grand Theft Auto of all time. Uh, Red Dead Redemption, uh, at that point in time, I think was the perfect open world game. And it came out when every game in the like the AAA space was trying to be open world. And I don't think any game did it better at the time than Red Dead Redemption. Because its world was just so detailed and felt so alive and so natural. And it made... It was the perfect Western game. Just the, the, the negative space that it had in its, like, fields of Mexico mm-hmm. and all the little towns and all the people who had their own kind of, like, life cycles that they followed... And this game was so popular, and the online was so popular in Red Dead Redemption, that I think that that really was a big influence for Rockstar to make online so prevalent in Grand Theft Auto five years later. Damn. Sorry. What? What were you thinking? I was thinking Bully, but Bully came out in 2006. Yeah. And uh, Mm -hmm. Red Dead Redemption also, I think, was the peak storytelling for Rockstar at the time. And I just liked... I've always liked Red Dead Redemption better than Grand Theft Auto, just because of the story that it told. Yeah. And I, okay, I'm, if we're if we're going for spoilers for games, I'm going to do a Red Dead Redemption spoiler. Is that don't, okay? Don't do that to me. Oh, you never played it? No, I mean, like, don't be like if we're going to do spoilers. <laughs> I know that's why you fucking said it. No, just give a spoiler warning. And okay, spoiler warning, skip ahead, 30 seconds. Um, your main character dies at the end of Red Dead Redemption 1. Okay. And you play a brand new character for the rest of the game after you finish the story, and it never goes back. Yeah. And that's just so crazy for a game to do that. They don't usually kill off main characters. No, exactly. I know it's happened in other games before. Red Dead Redemption's not the first one to do it, but it, it just told such a complete story. And yeah, Red Dead Redemption for me is just the perfect open world. Probably still one of the perfect open world games. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption definitely deserves a spot. I think Mexico dragged for me personally. Mm-hmm. But I thought that the game was fantastic. All right. My next one, I'm going to hop around year-wise a little bit, mm-hmm. just for the sake of bringing in some old and some new. Uh, my second one is Pokemon Go, which came out in 2016. Nice. Uh, Pokemon Go, the fucking madness around that game when it initially launched, slash even when it didn't. People were, like, dying. People yeah. were... Literally. Yeah, Everywhere. people were being put in hospitals and yeah. being hit by cars. Yeah, and yeah. fucking paying attention. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, like, the fever that, that, like, everybody was playing that fucking game. People who knew Pokemon, who didn't, people who played games, people who didn't. Like, I remember walking around at, like, 3 in the morning uh, out in our city, at a city center, and there was hundreds of people there still. And like the fe- like the, like seeing that like oh somebody called out like oh there's this rare Pokemon over here and just like literally like the commercial of when Pokemon Go first came out and you see all these people like running to try and do something like that literally happened in my in front of my eyes with all these people starting to run to try and get to this Pokemon and it's just the way that it influenced mobile gaming with now like there's a Ghostbusters ripoff a Harry Potter ripoff like a Minecraft uh, there's a Minecraft version of it now too like the like the way that it breach the mainstream and just even with Pokemon being you know the biggest main like the biggest media franchise ever I think that even though the game launched 
in a not great state. Niantic has put a lot <clears throat> of work into it since then. Yeah. And even, like I said, people were downloading APKs to play it before it officially launched in their country. Yeah. Just to be it able- didn't come out here in Korea for a long time. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because of that? I don't know why, but it wasn't released here. I know that it was part of the way that the mapping is done here. Mm-hmm. Um, that has something to do with that, is that they didn't want to give full location data. I don't know how that, like, all that obviously, I don't know that's obviously happened. changed I remember, since. like, I could bring it up in my bedroom, and, like, there was, like, a starter Pokemon wherever you were, yeah. and you could catch that. And I think I would have gotten really into it, but because I couldn't play it and everybody else had already been playing it for, like, a year, I was just over it. Like, you could only play it in some one area in Seoul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, I think that that game, um, I'm still playing it to this day. I know a lot of people are. They've put a lot of work into it. And I think that that game was a really special moment in gaming history just because of how many people were literally on the streets running around being physically active and just playing it. People lost weight. People yeah. lost a lot of weight. People made friends. Yeah. People went to Pokestops and, like, met people and had conversations. That re- game really showed how games can be positive towards making connections, yeah. like, actual connections. Yeah, making strands, you would, some would say. <laughs> uh, and, building highways. Yeah. And, and also, um, a, a lot of people dropped off the game. I think if you're interested, you should go back to Pokemon Go because it, it's much, much more, like, deep of a game yeah. now. They've really, really updated a lot, and you I should check out Pokemon Go. I just feel like I won't. I, yeah. I feel like I get, like, into things, and then I just drop out of things. So. Yeah. The nice thing about, like, Pokemon Go, at least for me, because, like, I've come in and out of it a lot over the last few years, is that, like, I can literally just, like, pop it open, look at it for a minute or two while I'm somewhere new or while I'm walking, and then shut it off and forget about it for a couple days or even, you know, a couple weeks, and then come back to it and be like, oh, what's new? What's going on? Can I just say one negative thing about the game? Sure. It's not even really negative. It just annoys me. Yeah. It's like when I'm out with... Why did you say right like that? I said sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, of course you're annoyed. Okay. (laughs) No, um, no. no. Like, when I'm out with my friends, and they fucking play it, like, when I'm there. Mm. And I don't mean, like, when you and Natasha mm. were playing it at the game thing, because I knew you were going to play it there. But, like, when I went to Tokyo, my best friend, like, we're walking, and she's like, hold on, I have to catch this. Bitch, like, play the game. We're in Tokyo. <laughs> and I get it. I get it. There's certain, like, Pokemon in Tokyo that you can't get in the U.S. Yeah. But I also think it's really distracting for people who don't play. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And when you're, like, with people who don't play... I. I kind of find it rude if, like, we're all hanging out and, like, you're constantly on your phone. Mm. Mm. So that's the only bad negative thing I will say about it. Yeah, no, it definitely, because it's <laughs> it's so prevalent, like, actually, like, <laughs> so, like, that's a good point. I never actually thought of that. Yeah. It can be pretty Well, alienating. because you do it actually out in the real world in yeah. real life, right? Of course. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Sorry. For, I don't mind people who play it. It's just, like, when I'm out and I'm with someone and I don't play it and then, like, they're taking their time mm-hmm. to try to catch something and I'm just standing there waiting for them to finish. Yeah. It's like... Don't be a jerk. If you're hanging out with somebody, put away your phone. Yeah. Spend time with them. Yeah. yeah. As yeah. I have my phone right now, but it's for notes. I know. It's okay. <laughs> All right. My number two, going into the year 2011. We're being more optimistic. 2011 was actually a pretty good year. Um... And I don't think any game defined 2011 more than the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Oh, yeah. Skyrim, a game that was ported to everything. Very quickly, I'm going to hop on this one with you because I also have Skyrim on my list. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, so we can both I like share it, it when you both yeah. meet up. Yeah, so we okay. can both talk about it. Okay, 
So I'll just say my piece first, and yeah, you can yeah, say your yeah. piece. Um, so Skyrim, at Red Dead Redemption, and Grand Theft Auto 4, obviously, were both games that really... And then also Assassin's Creed really basically made everything into an open world. Brand new, open world was the thing. Skyrim, the Elder Scrolls series, has always been open world. Yes. So they weren't really following a trend there. What, what Skyrim did was it brought RPG mechanics, I think, to like every single game. Like, I don't think our, the, the, the idea of, like, leveling up and skills and things like that was really brought so much into every single game until Skyrim came along. Well, it's also because it's not just, like... Because, like, some games definitely did have light RPG mechanics, but Skyrim was the one that took, like, heavy RPG with, like, massive skill trees. Yeah. And <clears throat> heavy... Way, like, even player choice and different ways to handle quests. Yeah. Skyrim was definitely the one to make it mainstream. It made me feel like you were playing an MMO, but it's not an MMO. Yes, yes. That's such and a good that's what I it. really liked about it. Yeah. Um, the So, like, that was the good thing. It brought RPGs. It showed the gaming industry that single-player RPGs still sold. Not everything had to be a multiplayer experience, because that was a, a, a sentiment that was starting to happen at the time, that yeah. everything had to be multiplayer. And... The negative side of Skyrim, though. Do you want to say something more positive about Skyrim? Because I also want to talk about the negative side. Sure, yeah. No, so for me, Skyrim, um, I've played probably about 20 to 30 hours of it, so I by no means finished it. And I went back to it when the VR version came out. Mm -hmm. And I think that Skyrim is... I don't think it's a great game, mm. honestly. I think that it's a very good game. Mm -hmm. But I think that because it's Bethesda, that comes with good and bad. But the way that that game, again... <coughs> became so prevalent, spawned memes upon memes of people taking arrows to the knee of the beginning oh, yeah. of the the beginning of the game being memed to shit as yeah, well. Which is still being memed right still now. Still being memed to shit. Like that game was huge. It was massive. It was sprawling. And like like I think that that was our first example of an open world that could be that huge mm -hmm. and without them packing everything into every square inch of it. Yeah. Like, that game was not afraid to have a bit of room in between its things and letting you just discover shit without putting a quest marker on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that game... I mean, it literally fucking came to Amazon Alexa. Like, <laughs> granted, it was more of a joke, but, like, yeah. and, like, the VR version, when it came out, was implemented very, very, very well. Yeah. Um, so I think that that game, again, because it still persists to this day, it's a game that came out early on in the decade and still is talked about and like the clamor for the next elder scrolls is probably at an all-time high because of skyrim yeah and, and so skyrim and all but now let's go into the the negative side mm -hmm. of it so mm -hmm. i think the other reason why skyrim was more popular than something like oblivion or something like morrowind which many argue are the better games yep uh, in the elder scrolls series um skyrim simplified a lot of its mechanics to make it a little more mainstream, a little more, well, streamlined. And I think that started to have a negative effect on the industry moving forward because around this time, because of Skyrim's like simplification streamlining, you start to see a lot of other games start to get their mechanics simplified because these developers start to think that, well, we need to make things simpler, make it more casual, make it more accessible. And so you start having things like... Uh, okay, hold on. I don't think accessible is the right word to use there. Sorry, you're right. No, maybe accessible is the wrong word. Making 
I'm sorry. Well, because accessi- accessibility. Uh, no, yeah, no, 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 I, no, I was saying I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like yeah, no, because yeah. accessibility. Yeah, I, you're no, you're right. Thank you yeah, for saying yeah, that because yeah. I do want games to be more accessible from an accessibility perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what I mean, I guess more mainstream. More they, mainstream. They, they made it. They made it simpler for people who didn't. Do you play just not those... like when games go mainstream? No. I'm curious because you you brought up something earlier. Yeah, about, you're like, right. No, I I don't mind when a game goes mainstream. I think when things get just like so popular, that's all you can see and all is advertised. Like with Star but isn't Wars. That- what we want to do with our podcast isn't that the main goal of anything that you create for the I think, population? I think the major difference with Skyrim, because I agree with you on that point, is that it lost a bit of what it was to become that mainstream. That's what I mean. So, so, so like it, because the, like it started. Okay, I won't say it started being too accessible. I'll start. I'll say it started losing its depth that it had in its pre- previous entries. Yeah, it started taking the depth out. Do you think that's because it had been out for so long? Um, or do you think they were sacrificing things to get more people to play? I think they were sacrificing things to get more people to play. And the thing is, that's not that's not something that's exclusive to Skyrim because every Bethesda game that followed, including Fallout Four, started taking that. Started depth. making like you look at something like Fallout Three, and their dialogue choices were were there was more to them. They were written more. They they were written more intricately. They were there was more options to them. And then when yeah. Fallout Four came out, the system for it was much more simplified in terms of like is this a happy answer neutral answer yeah. or an or a angry answer and to try and make things more like cinematic or more like high action minute to minute it really took out a lot of the like role-playing elements out in of the, the role-playing yeah. game okay. so like i don't think there's anything wrong with it becoming huge and if this podcast one day becomes huge i wouldn't want us to sacrifice what we are yeah. for that to happen and i right. think that sky i think skyrim lost a bit of that 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 depth that the Elder Scrolls series had, and, and you can see that happening a lot of the time with Zelda Skyward Sword, Dead Space Two, Crisis Two, Dragon Age Two, all games that came out around the same time and after Skyrim that also decided, hey, look, that worked for Skyrim, maybe, and let's try and make take out some of that depth to make it more a- applicable or appealing, appealing to the mainstream. I I mean I get that, but those games also came out a long time ago, so you have to kind of reform and change yourself. To mm-hmm. make yourself still... And, and well, a, a counter... Yeah, because if you change. think about how we used to play games... Have you ever played games that we used to play a long time ago and how fucking hard yes. they yeah, are? Yeah, yeah, yes. Like, just honestly, as games have progressed, they have gotten easier. They've course, taken yeah, like yeah. lots of things yeah. out of it. And I think okay. that's just an ongoing thing. Yeah. I, I think if it was like a year after and they started taking shit out, then it's like, wait, wait yeah. a minute. But it's been like we'll, 10 years? We'll talk about it more when I get to the end of my decade. Okay. But I actually think that the more recent last few years have been much better at adding more... Death Stranding? Uh, well, Death Stranding is a special example. But okay. uh, I think other games um, are doing a much better job of bringing back the depth of old-school titles mm-hmm. while still having better accessibility options to accommodate more mainstream appeal. So is this just for role-playing games, or you mean just games in general? I think I think in this... Uh, I think with Skyrim specifically, it's role-playing for... Role-playing games. I think it's also for the Elder Scrolls as a series. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, it, it'd be different... It'd be one thing if you had, like... <clears throat> like, making a Zelda game more accessible... I think is not the worst idea. I think something like Skyward Sword took it too far by having Phi interrupt you every two seconds to tell you information you already know. Right. Um, 
but like I think it did bleed into other games but for role playing games the idea that they're supposed to be a role playing experience I think if you start to remove those little details it takes away the appeal of the role playing in, in the is that for place. like people who like you guys are more than just casual gamers do you think that's why it bothers you because I feel like people who are gamers kind of already pick up on mechanics that they recognize when they're playing video games mm-hmm. versus someone who may just be starting out and doesn't play a lot of the time. And, no, and and what if they were able to turn that off? What if you had the option to turn off the help? Then the I would be very happy about and that. And that's fine. Okay. I don't have an issue with it being there. I think just because Skyrim was such not and it, and it wasn't a drastic departure no. by any means of the imagination. Fallout uh, 4 was, that was the worst that was, example. That was, the be- that was the beginning of the slide down. Yeah, that's what I meant. It was like the beginning. Okay, and, okay. and what I'll say truly inside, what I want to do is I want games to reach a wider audience. I okay. do genuinely want that. And if they find a way to make that compromise where the hardcore can, the hard quote, quote, hardcore can still get their depth, but they have options for people with like in the beginning easy mode yeah neutral. Yeah, yeah exactly i love that like i love that like it's something a really great example of it very very quickly was the um the latest tomb raider that came out right their difficulty wasn't easy medium hard they had combat difficulty puzzle difficulty and exploration difficulty which is great so if you want to i love it, that because yeah. in a game like that i'm not like a gamer like you guys yeah. all my shit would be on easy yeah. and like for me i want combat hired but i'd want the puzzle shit to be as easy as fucking possible yeah. so like it lets you customize the thing but it doesn't take away from what tomb raider is so also, that's basically what you're saying you <coughs> want games to have yes okay yeah and yeah. and even rewarding it is nice it doesn't make you feel littler because like well i have to play on easy mode. yeah no yeah. i've never felt <laughs> well sometimes people be like well i'm not i'm not a loser i, I don't want to play on easy i want to play on something i think that's harder. more of a macho thing yeah well it's also like a gamer thing yeah like, it's just it's so just if you can if you can re- if you can rephrase it it just sounds better it yeah. helps more oh, no, i know now i get what you're saying yeah, cool so next game all right so i'm going to jump ahead to my number four then because we just did my yeah. number three mm-hmm. alongside yours uh i'm gonna go with breath of the wild Nice. Uh, and again, like again, I played the shit out of Breath of the Wild. I think my opinion of it has soured a little more as time went on, but I don't think it takes away for from what Nintendo decided to do with the game. I think it was a massive step for the Legend of Zelda franchise in terms of it becoming something a little bit new. Which with Nintendo, I mean, you look at one Mario game to the next, they're not massively different. Even if you look at Odyssey to Sunshine to to Galaxy, there's like a there's a there's a little thing that tweaks, but it, the game is still very much the same thing with a different skin with a different mechanic, right? Yeah. Same thing with Pokemon, same thing with Metroid. Like their Nintendo's franchises are all very much follow a certain template within themselves. Yeah. I thought Breath of the Wild was them coming out. It was the Switch's coming out party as well. Mm-hmm. That game had and when it was when it started selling, when the Switch started came out, there were more Breath of the Wild copies sold than there were Switches to be able to play them. <laughs> yeah. Because people well, like had the game and were waiting for being able to buy a Switch to be able to play it. Like it was. I mean, you know what? A lot of people don't buy systems because they want the system. Surprisingly, a yeah. lot of people buy them because they want the game. Yeah. That's coming out on the system. Right. And that's in like for for Breath of the Wild to, to come out and be this juggernaut, to this be this monster in sales, to it reinvigorate Nintendo in a way that they hadn't been almost pretty much all decade, yeah. really. Like yeah, yeah. the Wii by the by the by the 2010s was was falling on its ass. The Wii U that followed was a fucking disaster. So Breath of the Wild came and I think 
really gave that breath of life <laughs> into Nintendo that it was so sorely <laughs> lacking for so long. And like I said, the game is great. There's so much there. And for me, <clears throat> and I know a lot of people were disappointed with the way that the puzzles were handled, mm-hmm. the dungeons were handled. For me, fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. They were shorter. They were they were more fun. I did not miss the long-form dungeons of mm-hmm. the Zeldas of yore. Mm-hmm. But like for me, as a someone who has never finished a Zelda game up until Breath of the Wild... I, oh, really? Yeah. Never finished a Zelda game. was a link I, to the past. I, I started so many of them, and I never finished them. Wind Waker, Skyward Sword, Twilight Princess, a lot of the older ones, Link to the Past. I've always started them and never finished them. So Breath of the Wild was the first one for me that I played and I finished. And like Senna, who is a very casual gamer, played the shit out of Breath of the Wild. Well, do you think that's because it was easier? It, I don't think it was easier because you had stuff like weapons. Not for or, you, but for her. No, no, I don't, like, even for her. Like, because the thing is, it was still, like, it, they added stuff like weapon durability where your fucking shit would break all the time. Like, even just, like, exp- like exploring been, almost now became a mechanic. You had to watch out for your stamina as you climbed, like, like trying to figure out where to go next. And, like, some of those bosses were fucking hard. Yeah, actually, so, like, yeah, Destiny, did you ever play Breath of the Wild? No. Um, Breath of the Wild is actually considered by most people one of the hardest Zelda games in, like, many years. Really? Because in, uh, when you start the game, enemies can kill you if you wander into the wrong area in one hit with no Oh, yeah, warning. we had a whole talk about yeah. that, I remember. So, so I think that I think that Breath of the Wild was something... Does it not warn you when you walk into the wrong area? No. no. Does not tell so you. So how do you know? Well, the enemies are... The enemies, yeah, you have to learn, but the enemies are actually graded in difficulty by the color of their skin. So you do know if you're in the wrong area because you see the well, color of their skin. Yeah, when you first start the game, though, you don't necessarily know what that means. So how long does it take you to learn? Pretty quick, I'd say. Dying like, he's like, oh, that looks like, different. I can kill that one. I cannot kill that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you can see, oh, so I'm not doing like this damage. That's- not that hard if you learn it within the first yeah. couple. Of they days. run fast though. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's what I, mean. I think that game reinvigorated Nintendo in a way that they desperately needed, yeah. and I think it deserves to be on the top decade yeah. list. And I will not say anything very long because I think that we should have a complete Breath of the Wild discussion. But I will say one thing that also is Breath of the Wild. Talking about Skyrim is the perfect example of a game that has a lot more depth from previous open world games. Uh, but it's still accessible. There's a great video, I think, called, uh, like, I can't remember the name of the video. It was a YouTuber who got his wife to play video games, and she's never played games before. And he had her play Breath of the Wild, and he found that Breath of the Wild was an easier game to play from somebody who had never played games before. That's what I was asking. Because of the way the physics engine worked, where it was a very experimental game, pretty much anything you think, can I do this? The answer is usually yes. So because you can try things that are more logical, that are more, like, spontaneous, and it uh, lets you do them, it's much more encouraging to somebody who's never played a game before because you can use, like, real-world logic in the game and it'll work. So, yeah, Breath of the Wild's great. Mm. So my next game, going into 2012, is Diablo 3. And I think Diablo 3 started to define this period because this is... uh, when uh, publisher Hubris was, I think, at an all-time high, Diablo 3 is famous for uh, its open, its its real-life marketplace where you could sell items for real-world money. Mm-hmm. And it the game was completely balanced around being able to buy weapons with real money. And because of that, everybody hated it because all the drop rates were lowered to trash because if everybody could just find a a weapon, their real-world economy would not work. 
Um, and this game, I think, really influenced... Did Diablo get a cut of the the money from people having to buy? Like, did they... I think they did get yeah. a cut. Yeah, yeah, of you, course. Yeah. yeah, Activision got a cut of the money that they were made. Oh, oh, was it Activision Blizzard at the time, or was it just Blizzard? I, I feel it was. I'll double check. I think it was Activision Blizzard. So I think Activision did get a cut um, of the money that's being sold. The real player, the player did too. So you are making money. 2008. Okay, so then, yeah. Then so they merged with Vivendi in 2008. Okay, so then... Well, they, the, the publisher got a cut. So I think this was a, a dark time because this is where you start to see a lot of publishers uh, try things. Uh, you see a lot of publishers try things that they think that they thought would be popular but ended up not being very popular. But it made them money, so they continued to do it. And it, I wonder where they got that idea from. I know that, like, this isn't necessarily a game, but, like, in Second Life, you could use real money. You mm-hmm. would buy fake money yeah. and in the game and use it, but you could also sell things and then exchange that in-world money mm-hmm. for real money. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just wondering what made them... If they had never done it before, what made them decide to do it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I think that time was a lot of the seasons pass stuff going on, where they yep. were now selling seasons pass for additional content, and it was and also- a lot of DLC, and like they were trying to find a way to, to make more make money, more money yeah. without pissing gamers off, kind mm, of thing. That was the wrong move. Yeah. Exactly. And it was also the time when d- publishers thought if you didn't have multiplayer, why bother making the game? Yeah, because. They want people to spend money on it, like a, a long time, or, or play yeah. it, play it forever. And you saw that a lot with Mass Effect Three and Halo Four and Hitman Absolution, where all these games tried to. And Diablo Three was guilty of it too. The lack of depth or the depth removed from the previous game. Diablo Two was a much deeper game in terms of its mechanics than um, uh, Diablo Three, and they tried to make it much more like appealing to the general public. Rather I'm than play to its strengths. I'm curious if, like, when these games lost their depth, was it after a merge with a different publishing company? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I think that Blizzard specifically, it probably was. Yes. Because, I think that, yeah. because Because they've gone more and more in that direction as time has gone on. And they've suffered through a lot, like, and especially with Activision. Um, Jason Schreier over at Kotaku um, has, like, been talking a lot for the last few years about how Activision has been ceding more and more control into Blizzard. And they are not nowhere near as independent as they used to be. Oh yeah, it's very yeah. obvious. That so they're not. I think that. But I wonder, like overall, like all these games you're talking about, if you went back and saw maybe if they had merged with something, and that's why they became more focused on money making instead of storytelling. Some yeah. of them, some of them definitely. That yeah. is definitely why it happened. And and Diablo three thankfully did uh, gain some of its goodwill back when eventually years later, I don't remember how many years later, it like but it was three. years, they did remove the real world marketplace and they rebalanced the game and they added a lot of the fan stuff that they asked for in and brought the depth back. But at that point, it was kind of late. They lost a lot of goodwill. And this game, I think I picked it because it was another stepping stone towards what you'll see very soon, monetization being the main focus for publishers rather than uh, AAA publishers. Well, I feel like that's what it's always going to be for publishers. Yeah, I think more recently you've seen a lot more examples of, of people trying to take more risks. Right. Uh, but around... Most of the games were self-published before, right? Like, like Blizzard before it 
Yeah, uh, they kind of had their development they had, they had and their, their own, publishing. Yeah, they had their own, so like they could, you know, put out games with integrity because yeah. mm-hmm. they had full control. Yeah. But once you have like a partnership, I wonder. Once you have shareholders and once yeah, you have like a board you have of to directors, please them. yeah. yeah. So. Do you guys know how that works? Like the, the whole thing with the the shareholders and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. okay. Explain it. No, no, no. If you no, because we're we're going on. We could talk about it another sure. time. That's and, like, a great why, topic. Why yeah, I'd love to talk about yeah. that. Okay, and that's so that's why I picked Diablo three. Nice. Okay, uh, my next one goes. We're gonna jump back oh. to 2013 with The Last of Us. Ooh. Um, I think The Last of Us is pinnacle Naughty Dog. I think that as <clears throat> amazing as Uncharted is, to take it. To, to go off of being like this pulpy action movie into something that is so dark, so dour, so serious, and <clears throat> trust that gamers would respond to it was huge because I think it was around that time. I, like, I would really say that The Last of Us was the one that put, like quote-unquote, a serious and deep story on the map for video games. Mm. You saw, obviously, some games do it before, but I don't think any of them did it to the scale that The Last of Us did and told such a very human story. Yeah, you said you really connected with the character. I really, game. really did. And, like, it's, like, the way that... Like, I know a lot of people weren't overly impressed with the gameplay because Naughty Dog shooting mechanics can be a little lackluster. Um, but the way that the that game told the story, and, like, I think that that one... If I am talking to someone and they're like, I haven't played video games in 20 years, I don't really th- know if they can tell a story like that, The Last of Us is probably my go-to recommendation for something like that because of the way that it told the story. It was cinematic without being... Too many cutscenes. Too many cutscenes. It was emotional without it being cheesy or, or weird. It if, you, if they turned that into a movie, as in like by lifting... All the gameplay out. All the it. gameplay out... I think it would be a really good movie. Now, not saying I want them to make a movie out of it, but like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe I th- that's how they wrote it, though. <laughs> like, I wonder. Maybe they wrote it as you would write a script for a movie, and then <laughs> added gameplay mechanics into it afterwards. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But like, I just want to give like Sony and Naughty Dog huge kudos for taking a risk on because at the time that game was a risk. Mm-hmm. It was a zombie game in a time that all games were zombie games. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was that was the thing at the time. But and I, I feel like it came it. When you talk about that game, it reminds me so much of The Walking Dead. I think that's probably why one of the reasons why it was so popular because it it feels like The Walking Dead, and that's The Walking Dead was like flying high at that time. Yes, it was. So that's what I mean. I think that that game is super special, and I think that it helped put like I, I think it helped show that games can be can have a well told story without sacrificing gameplay. And I, 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 because I want to keep moving, I will say one thing as a counterpoint, and Mm -hmm. then I'll let you respond, and I won't say anything back. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, and I don't want to diss The Last of Us, because I also agree Last of Us is an amazing game that actually deserves to be on the list of of top games of the decade. I love Last of Us. One thing I appreciate about it is that Naughty Dog, with the Uncharted series, puts, I think, until Uncharted 4 kind of puts the cinematic experience before the gameplay, mm-hmm. and I like that Last of Us. I think Last of Us which was a much better balance, and it had more gameplay elements to it than Uncharted had, mm-hmm. and that's why I actually like The Last of Us better than the Uncharted series. Um, I don't really agree that it was putting kind of darker storytelling on the map, because back in 2008, you have, like, The Dark Knight with, like, gritty movies and The Walking Dead as a series was really I mean, getting popular I mean in around the same games. time. Yeah, but I mean also with zombie games. If you're releasing a zombie game when everything was a zombie game, then that's more like following the trend rather than like 
proving. I guess that, that's what I mean. I feel like yeah. the reason why it was so popular is it it, was, it basically took what The Walking Dead was and turned it into a, and turned it yeah. into a game. It's it's so similar that I get them confused yeah. at times. Yeah. But I feel like you're mm. playing The Walking Dead, but with yeah. different characters and the zombies are a little. Bit but hard. I will say that it did completely elevate it, and I think the story that The Last of Us told was better than most of the zombie stories. That were told at the time. Yeah, I showed that Naughty Dog yeah. really is one of the better studios at making like a deep storyline. Yeah, I think specifically for me it was with video games because, mm-hmm. like, like I said, not to say that games hadn't told darker or mm-hmm. more dour stories before or more serious stories. It's just that I think that that was one of the one of the ones, in, at least especially in the last decade, that did it very very well mm-hmm. and made it commonplace. Cool. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It wasn't just like. Uh, Resident Evil. Where yeah, just exactly. Shoot, kill, go through. It it actually had a lot more death than there was a story there to deal yeah. with it. So I get what you're saying. Cool. Okay, Darren, what's up? So the next game is also from 2013, mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto V. And I think Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, I love Grand Theft Auto V. I liked the gameplay of Grand Theft Auto V better than Grand Theft Auto IV. Um, I like the story of Grand Theft Auto IV better, but I think overall I enjoyed Grand Theft Auto V more. Um, and but I had to pick it because my subtitle for the time of Grand Theft Auto V was uh, Grand Theft Auto V or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Monetization because <laughs> Grand Theft Auto V and specifically Grand Theft Auto Online was the, I think, first example of an online like proto-live service that where monetization was king and nothing else mattered. Because as good as... Man, Grand Theft Auto V was a great game. Uh, but this was a shift for Rockstar. They stopped caring as much, I think, about um, single-player experiences at that time. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, multiplayer or bust. Because there were supposed to be single-player DLC that came out for Grand Theft Auto V. And as soon as Grand Theft Auto Online became so popular, they canceled it. Well, that's the same thing they did with Bully. They were supposed to make a second Bully, but after Grand Theft Auto, the first one was so popular that they never came out yeah. with another one. And this was, I think, a big shift in the game industry when Grand, Theft, when Grand Theft Auto V came out, and publishers saw how much money they could bring in with a game that never ended, and a game that if you just support this game for long enough and get people to keep coming back you will just bring in money. Wait, what about WoW and all of those games that were already doing that? Well, I think at the time, this was the first example of this working on a console. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because WoW and EverQuest I think, and, yes, like... those are PCs. The other thing, too, that, like, I mean, with GTA V's brilliance is that it told the single-player story. There was no... There was no taking away from that. No. The, the online launched later, and now because the online comes bundled in with the core game, right... It's still, to this day, almost every month, I think pretty much every month, in the top 10 selling games of, yeah. every, of the month, every single month. Well, it makes sense. If yeah. you like the core game, yeah. and then it gives you a, the ability to keep playing yeah. the game afterwards. Yeah. Massive. I don't like it because there are so many little dicks who play that game. Yeah. And it makes <laughs> yeah. it unenjoyable, yes. and that's my only problem with it. The thing that I'd like to say very quickly about mm-hmm. um, GTA Five is I, I was like a hair away from putting it on my list as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really great Noclip, Noclip documentary about a gang that was started in GTA 5. Um, and it was it started out to be like a couple 
like actual like like real life friends and expanded and expanded to be like this big crew of people from all over the world and they actually hold like a yearly party where they all fly in together and they all actually like spend time together and they hang out and this gang that they started fostered into like this mass like this is this community of people who love each other and like support each other like they're they became like like a family because of the way that their gang be- started in GTA 5 online that's so cool so like there's there's a lot of real life implications in because of the online and i think because going into it all you're expecting is an online where you know you're if you want to like you can do ev- everything without ever putting a cent into it yeah you can if you want to, but it's going to take you longer. Yeah. Do you guys play a lot of online games? I don't. Okay. Yes and no. For me, he like, plays more than of, me. From, from the way you made that sound, I was like, but there are tons of games online that do that. Yeah. You know, sure. like guilds, like, like yeah. they, they, it becomes a family. Like, these yeah. are the people that you spend time with every day. So that is not something... That's new. Maybe for consoles. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah but yeah, for like online gaming, yeah. that's like wow. one of the main things. Wow, I've been doing that for years. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. but Grand Theft Auto was the first on consoles. Mm, got it. Cool. All right. Uh, my next one. We're going to jump ahead to 2017. Is Fortnite. Woo! I think that Fortnite. And, and I want to jump on and cut one of my games out. Uh, because I said player unknowns battlegrounds for 2017, and I think we can put this together. Okay. Yes, I was deciding between the two, and I went with Fortnite because I think while PUBG was the one to start and to, to put the Battle Royale thing into the mainstream, like, that was where... I know it didn't start with PUBG, but mm-hmm. the PUBG was the one that launched it. I think Fortnite has been the one to prove that it has done it... Is Fortnite the one with the weird cartoony characters? Yes, yes. Fortnite yeah, has been... that came out before PUBG, right? After. After? Yeah, it came out about eight months after. Fortnite was being okay, made Okay, it came for... out within the same year. Yes. And okay. it, it, it was, it was, in, it was in, it, it entirely because of PUBG that Fortnite exists. Yeah. Oh, Fortnite, okay. Fortnite was a game that was being made for years before then, but it wasn't until PUBG came out that Epic decided to kind of shift focus and turn the game into something closer to PUBG and capitalize on the Battle Royale. Yeah. Was Fortnite free to play at first? It, it still is. It, it, has still a, free? it has a single player campaign that you can pay for, but nobody plays. Okay. Yeah, but Fortnite, like, it's with its battle pass structure and like the way that like you can buy into the game. I hate that game. Um, the way that you can buy into the game, like you can pay once or ne- not at all if you work up enough coins to get their battle pass, and like if you play enough, then you get the next battle pass for free, and that carries on in perpetuity as long as you're playing enough. The way that that game handles live events, the way that like they are so. Uh, they are so willing to fuck with the game and try and break it, and if it doesn't work, remove shit within a couple days. The way that that, that game <coughs> and that, commu- that those developers work with the community, like they put jet- they put uh, jetpacks in, it broke the game. They took jetpacks out. They brought it a couple months later, and like they're just they're constantly shifting the game. They're taking out fan favorite areas and replacing them with completely new things. And like again, the way that like I think it's bullshit the way that they handle their dances and how they just literally rip dances from. Other artists on other places and have no sort of anything towards like paying respect to the person who exactly or, or like or allowing them really any money i think that's garbage especially how much money they get especially since they have to mocap it from them yeah yeah so but i think the way that fortnite has handled live events i think the way that the game has again just fucking not only ov- completely overshadowed PUBG <clears throat> with the way that they've just burst out into the world um, I think that the way that they handle their storytelling and the way that they handle their gameplay is super, super cool. 
And I think as far as live service games goes, I'd be you'd be hard pressed to find a one that does the one that does it better than Fortnite. And I will very quickly just brush over Player Unknown's Battlegrounds because I would say pretty much the same stuff. I just picked it because it was. I want. F- I'm gonna say something about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll I'll say and then you can say. Or do you want yeah. to say first? No, no, no. Go okay. Ahead. Uh, Player Unknown Player Unknown Battlegrounds came out before Fortnite, and it was the one that influenced Fortnite's creation. So that's why I'll call it like. The, the Godfather. The, the Godfather, even though, like Matt said, there were other games that were Battle Royale before then. But I I, um, I, I don't play a lot of online games, but I want to actually say that Battle Royale has become such a big thing. I actually like the style of a Battle Royale match better than just a regular team deathmatch now, just because I like the excitement of playing with so many people at the same time. You can do that in Minecraft, by the way. I guess I gotta play some more Minecraft. Um, and like, yeah, kudos to them creating this new genre of multiplayer game, and it led to my current favorite battle royale game, Apex Legends. And like, I I think multiplayer is actually better because of battle royale because it's just a new way to play it, and we gotta keep trying new things. Yeah, and it's it's a example of a new game mode which we have not seen in such a yeah incredible way in a long time. Yeah. Okay, so mine's going to be negative because I'm a casual gamer and I don't play that often. Mm -hmm. I don't like it because it is free and because because it's free, you have a lot more people who play it and play it constantly. So for someone who's new to trying out that game, you cannot fucking get into it. Like, Mm. you are murdered immediately, which makes it not fun. There's no learning curve. Yeah. You're thrown in. You're thrown in and then you're killed. And there's no, like, you can't catch up. And the game's been out for so long, it's just like, well, fuck it, I'm not going to play. It makes it a daunting experience. It makes it super daunting. Yes. And, like, I don't... But PUBG, I don't feel that way because it's, it has a slower start. Oh. I think also the big thing with PUBG versus Fortnite is because of... Like, I always found Fortnite's building mechanics to be super daunting because you're expected to do it on the fly. That is something I like better about PUBG is that it just... If you have a good set that you found from exploring, you stand a better chance. Because Fortnite, they can just build right the fuck over you, and you are screwed. Yes. Cool. So, that, yep. that's my only <clears throat> negative thing. Other than that, I love the, the the artistic style of Fortnite better than PUBG. Cool. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so, on to my number 2014. Destiny. Yes. Also, Destiny. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I think that the game Destiny really defined 2014 for a number of reasons. This was a game that was being hyped up ridiculously. And I think arguably was a very, very disappointing uh, game to a lot of people because of a lot of, you know, publisher interference that got in the way of what Bungie wanted to do. Unfortunately, it was a game I was very excited for and a game that I tried the beta and was turned off so quickly I never bought the game. Um, And this game single-handedly introduced... It took little pieces from the games that came before it, like Diablo 3, and took that Diablo 3 looting looting aspect and turned it into the live service game that is still trying to be exploited today. And Looter Shooter. The Looter Shooter. And I think that the live service is not an inherently terrible idea. It's really cool to have a game that you can keep coming back to and keep playing and feel like it has an ever-expanding story that you're a part of, something that I know WoW did, and things like Guild Wars did. But Destiny brought... Yes. Uh, <laughs> Destiny the game brought in um, the other monetization aspect to it that 
really made me turned off from the entire idea of a live service game in general. And I think I'm very wary of games now, like of the Marvel's Avengers that I want to play just because I hear it's going to be a live service game. Mm-hmm. I think Destiny was also the one of the most prevalent examples of a game launching in a very incomplete state, selling for full price, and then fixing it later, even though they charged you more to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was something that was incredibly negative. I played a bit of the first Destiny. I played a bunch of Destiny 2 yeah. when it launched. But again, like it's stupid to buy this game with now the expectation knowing that it'll be good in a year. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and yeah, that's why I picked Destiny. Okay. On to my next game. I'm going all the way back to 2012. And funny that, you know, come following up The Last of Us a couple ago, The Walking Dead. Hey, uh, wow. tell Telltale's The Walking Dead. I think that that game is what single-handedly launched episodic in the way that we see it today. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first game to do it that broke into the mainstream. So I know there was stuff like Sam and Max. I know there was stuff like Back to the Future that came before it. Mm-hmm. The Walking Dead was the one that really launched that game and I think a big part of that was because of The Walking Dead's success as a TV show and as a comic before it but it told a really really cool story it ended it on really interesting cliffhangers and the biggest fucking thing that I can say about this game you guys know me I don't replay games I have replayed the first three episodes probably four times just because I played them at my buddy's house and then I bought it and I played through them again I lost my fucking save so I played them again and then I got to the point where, like, there was a game-breaking bug where if you saved in the last fucking save slot while going into episode four, the game erased everything. Mm. So I never finished it. I know where the story goes. I think it's super, super cool. I think that the the way that it broke them into, like, digestible chunks, you know, a couple hours, the story it told was super cool. The, the investment wasn't super huge. And I think that that game was what led to stuff like Life is Strange. Is that that, that is what led to stuff like um, until even in a way until dawn with it breaking into like these kind of more chapter cinematic ish things. I think The Walking Dead super deserves to be on this list. Uh, I will even go as far as saying The Walking Dead. Well, I've I've already said before The Walking Dead season one story is in my opinion better than the first four seasons of The Walking Dead TV show combined. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go as far as saying that the writing in the first season of The Walking Dead game is one of the best stories told in games in the entire decade. Yep, I'd I, agree. I love the first season of The Walking Dead game so much. Okay, cool, awesome. Um, and for my next game, 2015, I picked Undertale. Okay. Now, this is my first game that I have loved so much uh, on this list, probably my favorite game on this list, and... I picked Undertale not just because it was a, one of the best games to come out that year, but I think it's a great allegory for the year of 2015 in general, because so far I've been very negative, apart from the first year. And I think Undertale represents determination and light in the darkness, because in 2015 there was so much innovation and change towards games starting to try and bring their depth back, trying to do something new, trying to not just be the multiplayer-focused game, trying to not just be, like, the monetized game in both the indie scene and the AAA scene. Mm -hmm. Just look at the games that came out in 2015. We have... Shoot! We have Witcher 3. We have Bloodborne. We have Splatoon and Metal Gear Solid 5. In the indie games, we have Ori and the Blind Forest, Axiom Verge, Rocket League, Her Story... 
like all of these games that were just doing crazy things and trying new things and like tr taking old genres but elevating them and 2015 was a year that really showed you don't have to be a multiplayer game you don't have to be a live service and you can be successful and, and undertale i think really showed how bizarre little independent games can be the best games of the year yep i would agree undertale i think the biggest thing that i always think about when i think of undertale and you know, it's mm -hmm. also its gameplay. It's the game's heart. Yeah, it wore itself literally on every screen when you battled, but it also wore its heart on its sleeve, mm -hmm. and it it told a really really cool story, and had a really interesting battle system. I think Undertale super deserves to be there, <laughs> and it was almost on my list as well. Very cool. Okay, moving on. I'm going all the way back to 2011 with Dark Souls. You put Dark Souls on your list, and I don't even have it on my list. I think Dark Souls single-handedly brought back difficulty in gaming in yeah. the AAA space. Yeah, um, that game was unabashedly unafraid to be stupid fucking hard and yeah. make you love it by doing so. Yeah, it spawned an entire new genre of, of gaming in a way with its with its super difficulty, and it led to a lot of games that followed after trying to copy its its like its angle. Neo came out, which was uh, very much inspired by yeah Dark Souls by Dark Souls, right? And it was a Souls like. It was a Souls like. I mean, <laughs> that's why they're called Souls likes, and that yeah. like even if it's nowadays, even if it isn't a you know third person action RPG, even if it's two D or a platformer or things like it'll still you'll still hear the term Souls like being thrown around. Mm -hmm. To just help describe the game, and the thing is, you know what you're getting into when you hear that term. Cool. Dark Souls was in a time where gaming was going towards more live service, yeah. where the seasons past was prevalent. Dark Souls was incorporated in multiplayer in a way that felt natural, felt like you were stepping into a community, and that game was hard as all fuck. And I don't like it very much. I'm not a big FromSoft guy, but I have to appreciate what that game did for the industry and how fucking ridiculous it was mm -hmm. i think they took a big chance on doing that especially mm -hmm. when most games were easy to play to be like here's a game that's just really fucking hard yeah that you're gonna die a yeah. lot in and the publishers weren't even really they didn't believe in it either dark souls was only made uh, published by bandai namco because FromSoft wanted to continue demon souls and sega didn't believe that their next game was going to work so they dropped FromSoft, and then they had to go to a different publisher yeah so I think that that game super deserves to be on the list because I think that, like, even spawned stuff like Sekiro, spawned like stuff like Bloodborne, which mm -hmm. is all comes from FromSoft, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the fact that that developer in that game is unafraid to take chances in different ways without will still not compromising on their difficulty, you know, angle yeah. is super cool. And the mechanics bled to other games too. Breath of the Wild was influenced by Dark Souls. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. If you can exactly. influence Zelda, then you're you hit big. You're fucking huge. Um, <laughs> big old boy so we're going on to 2016 was positive with Undertale we're going to go negative again with Overwatch Over interesting Overwatch I think is also one of the biggest multiplayer games of the decade um, yep. really huge here in Korea and um, I picked it first of all because I actually think Overwatch is a great game I genuinely do I think it's well designed I like the players I like I mean the, I like the heroes I like the objective based gameplay uh, that's you know, based around an objective and not just deathmatch. Um, but I'm picking it because of it making loot boxes big. 
Overwatch was the game where publishers were like, maybe we should stop doing seasons passes, maybe we should stop doing these pre-order, th- like doing that kind of stuff to monetize. Loot boxes. They make so much money on loot boxes. And you don't they, even know what you're getting. No, nope. you don't even know what you're getting. They realized if you just put a few little gambling mechanics in their game, you're going to make millions. And now, because of Overwatch, we're suffering through so many games introducing loot boxes. Yeah, and I mean, it's not even, it's even bled into fucking politics where certain countries are now outlawing loot boxes because it's some, you know, it, it, the, the, you know, of the angle that. This is children gambling, right? They, yeah. don't, they don't know the percentages of the chances that they're going to get stuff, and now it's becoming more mandatory for develop for publish uh, developers yeah. and publishers to make that known, is to, yeah. to so you know what chances you, that you're going to get. They added seasonal shit where you could only get certain shit at certain times, so people would spend more money yeah. on something like Christmas to get that cool Santa skin. Yeah, so well, that's that's been on online games for a while. That's like, they, yeah. like seasonal stuff and shit like that. Yeah, but, but locking it behind loot boxes. Yeah, that's is, shitty because you yeah. don't know if you're gonna get it. Exactly. So thanks, Activision Blizzard, for inter- for putting two games on my list for their terrible anti-consumer multiplayer business practice. And I also practices. think Overwatch, like especially like it, like I think a bit of on a positive side of Overwatch. I mean, we now have a fucking entire gaming league dedicated to it. Yeah. Also, I want to give another shout-out to the positivity of uh, the diversity of the Overwatch uh, characters. And oh, inclusivity. I'm so glad that... I was going to say something about that. Go ahead. Yeah, because... No, like, genuinely, like, we don't have enough representation games, and I do think Overwatch is a good game despite the loot boxes, yes. and one of the best things is Very the diversity. Very balanced with female and male and... Just different races and yeah. LGBTQ yes. representation. Like they're just they're going on. But I think that's more of a Blizzard thing than yeah. it is an Activision thing. Yes. Blizzard is 100%. a very inclusive studio. Yes, and like good on them for being that. All right, you good with Overwatch? Yep, cool. Uh, moving on to my second last game. Uh, I'm gonna go up to 2019. I'm gonna come right up until this year, and I'm gonna go with Beat Saber. Ooh. I think Beat Saber is. <laughs> <laughs> I think Beat Saber is the first real VR game that has breached the mainstream. I think that, like, with the gifts of it going around, I think with the videos that it went, that its hook is so simple, it's so much fun. Like, my parents love fucking Beat Saber. My grandparents tried Beat Saber. Like, there's so, like, people who... That's cute. My, <clears throat> people who never play video games, because of its, because of the VR, and I think the VR is what sells that game. Yeah. It, and, I mean, now it's in fucking arcades, right? Yeah. Like, like that game is super special and super cool and takes such a... It brought it, like it, rhythm gaming to VR in a yep. way that... It's, it's just... The yep. idea is so simple. It's like, such a simple game. It, like You have so much fun doing it. Yeah. Exactly. Right and and this, guy, this guy doesn't normally like rhythm games. I don't. I really fucking don't. But like just actually feeling it and like moving with the game and the... like. It's good it's, for physical activity. It's, it's good for the, the keeping rhythm. Yeah, people usually like actually play it to get a workout, it, right? Like it brought VR to the mainstream. And it, like that game, I think is the best test case for VR going forward into the next decade, where where I think we'll either see VR take off or VR fall on its face. But I think Beat Saber is a really really great example of why it can be VR can be something very special. Perfect. I yeah, love it. I remember when I played it, I thought I was going to get hit by a wall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to skip 2017 because I already talked about Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, and yep. I'm going to go to 2018 for the world's biggest wet fart, Fallout 76. <laughs> um, Fallout 76 was the death of all things video games. Uh, Fallout 76. 
Damn. Fallout we don't 70- even play video games anymore. Fallout 76 uh, proved to me that live services are a stain of the, on the history of video games just because of how it showed that you can release a piece of broken crap into the world and still make money off of it. Yep. Uh, because Fallout 76 did make money. It's still running, and it's still garbage. Fallout 76 is the most cynical, publisher, money-driven game of the decade. And I hope Fallout 76 burns a fiery death because it proved to me that Bethesda is no longer interested in making deep RPGs. They're just like, well, this will make us more money. Who cares about player choice? Who cares about trying to tell deep stories? Who tro- who cares about role-playing? Let's just put something into the world and make money off of it and call it a day. Yep, and especially the state that it launched in, how glitchy and broken it was. How I, But honestly, I'm thankful for Fallout 76 for one thing and one thing alone. What? It led to one of my favorite stories of the decade when once they in- introduced that premium pass, it created a literal schism between premium players and free players where premium <laughs> players were, were, were being hunted by the free players and now it started this like class warfare between the two. Yeah, it created it's, like a bourgeoisie revolution in video games. Fucking hilarious. But that <laughs> Maybe game that's is, why people still play it. But, but, <laughs> but, but fuck that game. That's it for me. All right, my last one. And I think, Darren, this one will surprise you. Because I think this is, of this decade, I think this game is the key jewel of something that launched like shit, that burned a lot Mm-hmm. And became something really cool. So my last game of the decade is No Man's Sky. Woo! Because surprised. I think that that game is the biggest example of showing too much for too long before launch. For being literally on every PlayStation platform, like on every PlayStation stage for years before it came out. For overhyping, for developers who misconstrued information. For it being, for when it coming out. People are still asking, what the fuck is this game? What is the gameplay? How does it function? How does it work? Yeah. To it becoming a massive labor of love for the developers who, at the time, everybody's like, why aren't they saying anything? They should say something. Sean, like, they can never be on stage again. Um, Sean, who is one of the, was one of the, the public face of No Man's Sky, mm-hmm. can never show his face anywhere again. To the labor, like, for how much they put into the game, for how much they worked on it, for it now having... Full VR and watching its Steam rankings climb from being overwhelmingly negative to re- approaching overwhelmingly positive, I think, and them never charging a cent for all the work that they put into it. Yeah, I think No Man's Sky and having been playing the VR version of it now, and I played No Man's Sky when it came out, and I liked it for what it was originally. I think that that game deserves. What was it's the rating on Steam? It was overwhelmingly negative when it came out. It, it was only has a six on Steam right now. It was worse when it came out. It, it was, was at like, like a fucking two. Like yeah, like it was in the, it was in the garbage for how much people hyped that game up, and how uh, much the developers for what hyped they it. expected and yeah. then what they yeah. got. Yeah, and then for that game to struggle to fight and it to become what it is today, well, actually pretty good game. An actually pretty great game. Yeah. And, like, I think, I hope that that game continues to grow and continues Stand to blossom. Stand corrected, Darren. I think great. that... I, <laughs> yeah, I think that that game <laughs> fell on its fucking face. And I'm, like, for for me, also at the time thinking that that game is fucked forever. <laughs> for the, bless bless you. you. 
for that developer to being fucked forever, for them to become something special because of the work that they put into it. And it even went like the, the fucking subreddit, like, uh, like uh, what's it called? Pulled together money and bought a billboard outside of Hello Games that just said thank you. Yeah. And like the developers, like it's just like it's like the community that they built around that game and the amount of work that they put into it, I think, deserves to be noticed. And I think that that game is the biggest redemption story over the last 10 years. Yeah. Good on them for taking such a negative experience and like turning it around and trying to make good on what they really wanted to do. Yep. It really puts a rainbow over things. <laughs> so, Darren, what's your last one? My last game I am not going to talk about for very long because I wrote, okay, I wrote an embarrassing story about how it's like an allegory for uh, the gaming landscape currently in the year 2015. And I kind of don't want to read it. 2015? 2016, 2019. Gosh. Wow. Wow. Uh, and that is Death, Death Stranding. Okay. And, um... The road building game. It, it was like a weird story about like the gaming landscape looks barren, like the like the world of Death Stranding. Yeah, and then uh, all these games of services trying to suck up all the money, like BTS. You should let me read it. Oh God, here Please we go. Read Destiny. <clears throat> Death Stranding, 2019. Gaming landscape looks barren with all these games as service trying to suck up all the money. <laughs> We need to grind and grind till we drain our credit cards on microtransactions. <laughs> Everyone is being linked together by a bunch of separate games with similar mechanics, creating one mega game as a service. Yeah, so um, I was very tired and it was late at night. Games when I are being abandoned left and right. Oh, God. Why invest? Why invest? The end. Um, thank you. Thank snaps, you, thank you. snaps, snaps, snaps. So, this is why I've never tried to make it as a writer. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I appreciate Death Stranding, and I appreciate Hideo Kojima, as self-indulgent as he is, trying to do something different and trying to do something risky. I mean, it's not make much of a risk for him because anybody will buy anything with his name on it, but it was a unique experience. I feel like I brought that up a couple of podcasts ago when you, I asked you guys that. You did. Okay. You did. And you are right, Destiny. I love that. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it it Hashtag is Destiny was right. It is yeah. something special, and it's an experience that you'll never get from any other game. And can't you it does say that about most right games, though? No, really. I th- oh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I think Death Stranding is an exception to the rule. I would say I would say that it is something that you can't find in a lot of other places. You definitely no other game like is death, like Death Stranding. I feel like Death Stranding is like I will say like my analogy is like it's like Studio Ghibli, where everybody likes the films that come out of Studio Ghibli because they come out of Studio Ghibli. Like whether they're like an amazing game or not. Just from watching yeah. the literally just from watching the gameplay, which I watched it all the way through. Yeah. It really is. Like, the landscape is beautiful. That's great. But you can find land- beautiful landscape yeah. in other games. You're walking 80% of the time. Yeah. And the story is not that great. No. it's The writing is pretty bad. But what I think is unique about it is the fact that he's tried to make the act of moving your character itself its own mechanic. So that's it then. Own no, that's not that's not it. That's not it. I think it's the sum of its parts. It, I, yeah, the 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 way that the game is about trying the physical game 
is about trying to make connections with other players and other people and trying to build the community. It's very heavy-handed. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it's like I just feel like other subtle. games have done that, though. Like, the things that you're telling me don't necessarily... The only thing that I feel like this game has really put focus on that other games haven't is the whole, like, mechanics of the walking and, like, things being too heavy and you have to catch yourself and you really have to focus on it. Like, just walking is part of the game. I, th I think also the negative space itself. The game is mostly negative space. Well, yeah. The like, there are human enemies and ghost enemies in the game, but the real enemy is the terrain. Man like, versus the, environment. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... It's not a survival game, like Don't Starve or like the other kinds of survival no. games. Where th Those are also games for man versus environment, but in a different way. Yes, because you have to worry about your food intake yeah. and all of those things. With this game, you just have to worry about your balance. And like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that I, Death Stranding is an experience. I, I'm sorry, but I don't think that watching it really feels the I'm gonna same play it. as and playing I, it. And I guarantee you I'll probably feel the same way only because I don't feel like there's enough going on for me in a game to spend that many hours. It, I, I, which That's is, just me. Which is why I think that game is one of the most divisive games of the decade as well. And, because yeah. I think that I think I completely see both of your sides here because I think Darren's right. I think actually playing it and like the mystery around what you're doing as you're progressing and as you're physically moving from one place to the next, like what is what is what is next, right? Like what will happen as I if as when I finally fucking get there because the act of getting there is 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 difficult sometimes. But after doing that, in the first the first few deliveries, you see what you're doing. Like there's no big surprise. But it never it never lets up, and also the themes of the the isolation that you have as a character and trying to make the connections with people but are you mean gameplay? like the game characters or the connections with other people who are playing that you don't really have any connection with other than the roads the other people that you're playing with but you don't actually talk to them so how are you making connections the, other than the the, the, the the likes the likes generally genuinely actually there's a great video that i want to i want to mention that i think he can describe it a lot better than i can uh, super bunny hop just released a video like a day ago on his experience with Death Stranding as somebody who like biked across America mm -hmm. and how that related to his experience with the game. I highly recommend anybody listening to watch Super Bunny Hop, his video on Death Stranding, uh, because he talks about all the feelings and all the experiences that I've had with the game. Yeah. And I think what makes them unique. Yeah. Okay. I think the I'll watch it. Yeah, I think the game is something special and I think that as I spend more time with it, I'm curious to see as when I get to the end if I'll still feel the same way about it. Mm -hmm. I, I really want to know what you think when you That's finish what I mean. it. Because I just feel like, too. I think it's a beautiful game, but I don't think, it's not, it's, to me, it's not like a wow factor. Mm -hmm. Like, I mm -hmm. kept watching it for the story, but I got really fucking bored. So I know playing it, I'm going to get really bored. <laughs> yeah. Because watching it, <laughs> yeah. they cut out a lot of stuff. But for me, it's like, okay... I've been walking for a fucking hour. I want to get to the next part. And, and that's why the game, another thing is the game's trying to focus not on the destination, but, but the, the journey. journey. I, that's, I know. I, and that would I have be to great. Yeah. That would be great if you were meeting people and learning things along the journey. But if I wanted to just fucking walk for an hour, I could just walk because you don't yeah. learn anything as you're walking. It's like self-reflection. Like you're self-reflecting on the experience. And I, I would rather play Words Are Kind. For that kind of connection with you mean people, kind words, kind, kind of words. words. Yeah. yeah, with that for that kind of connection and positivity yeah. with people, other than likes. I'm curious to see how this game will settle as 
we spend more time away from it as well. I mm-hmm. think because it only came out a month, a couple months ago. I'm curious to see because the game, the, again, the game is super divisive. People are on both sides. Like mm-hmm. these are the are not the argument. The, the the debate that you guys yeah. are having is one that's been going around since the game came out, yeah. right? Or even even before that. We are representing the entire population. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. because they're, they're the people who really love it, and there are people who. Not I and because I like yeah. I don't think don't get it is the right thing, but I think they they don't get it right. Don't like, connect at, with it exactly. So I think that yeah, I think I'm curious to see how how what the like kind of the the look of this game will be in a couple of years. Yeah, and that's our games of the decade. That's our games of the decade list. I feel like we don't really have time to talk about the the top five, do we? Let's just hit them. Let's just hit them back okay. and forth. Because we talked about a lot of games that uh, we thought represented the decade, but I think it would be nice to just talk about games that, whether other people like them or not, whether they're big or not, the games that we enjoyed the most this decade. I have a question. Yeah. Can we, okay, so I know like we planned this, but I feel like because we talked so long with just you two talking about games, uh-huh. can we do something a little different for the third segment? Because it's like just game, sure. game, 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 yeah, game. Yeah. So what do you want to do? I really want to, and I know we can make this like a whole new thing, but only because recently I saw Jumanji, which mm-hmm. is based on a game, which is a like video game, and I just started watching The Witcher. Oh. Which was based off of a story that got turned into a game oh. that got turned into the series, mm-hmm. and I kind of just wanted to talk about what you guys thought about your favorite game. Of the instead of saying five, pick one of those games that you would like to actually maybe see go to the big screen if it hasn't gone to the big yeah. screen instead of just giving a list. Again. I like that, and you know sure, what? We, we can, can have this conversation another time. Exactly. Okay, I like it. Mm-hmm. So why don't you go first, Destiny? Um, I think I'd like to see an animated. Um, movie on Conker's Bad Fur Day because I think it would be like oh my god I think it would be hilarious it would be like for adults and I do you remember that movie that came out with Seth Rogen with the food and shit and oh sausage party yeah, yeah that got such a bad rap yeah because of like but I think if we took something like nostalgic that like people already kind of know of and made a movie out of it and plus it made a spoof of a lot of other movies that were out yeah at the time like the Matrix I think that would be hilarious. I think Netflix, if you're listening, you should do that. Yeah, Conker's Bad Fur Day actually kind of really fits the format of like a scary movie yes. or something like that. It or would like, be hilarious. And I think it could work if you got good writers. That's actually a great idea. Yeah. I could see it working. Like there was that um, Deadpool animated series that was in the works before like uh, Marvel bought out everything else. Yeah, and Conker's Bad Fur Day is very Deadpool. Like, because nice. like Donald Glover was making the Deadpool, and I feel like <laughs> I, from the little I know about Conker's, like that kind of style of animated series that would almost break the fourth wall and, and fuck around. Yes, would, that be, would, would be work, work really well. Dan, what do you think? Man, I, I have an answer ready. If you're not, yeah, can you go first? Yeah, I would love to see uh, a live action movie on The Last of Us, but not the same characters as the game. I would like to see other characters that exist in that world. Okay. You don't think it's too close to The Walking Dead? I don't think so. Because I think playing through the game and the way that they, like, and, like, I've watched the first couple seasons of The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. I feel like the world that The Last of Us exists in is different enough that it could hold by themselves. So a series or a movie? I would... I would ideally see a series. I think okay. you're right. I think a series would be better. Um, and I would like to see like kind of like an anthology series about different characters existing in different places. So that okay. like that they wouldn't be like one season would focus on a couple characters or however many um, with whatever they are. Because I think the the big thing about 
the Last of Us world is that the 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 clickers, which are the enemies, they kind of just exist. And they only come at you when you're nearby them. Right. So, like, I think that it could be, like, if, if it maintains the level of writing that the first game had, and that it looks like the second game will have, I think seeing different parts of that world would be really, really cool if it held up the same level of writing. So would, like, the clickers be, like, a main, like, antagonist, or would they kind of be in the background and you're just They'd focusing be... on the characters surviving within that Exactly. World? They, I think they would be focused on the characters with the clickers just being an environmental problem uh-huh. rather than them trying to do anything about it because playing through the last of us you learn more about the clickers and as as they are like why things are the way that they are and i feel like there would no be there would not be a story to tell of like a solution it would just be about people making the journey the, yeah, <laughs> people living in that world and dealing with the clickers more so than so would this be like a prequel to the games or would this just be like within that same timeline, but a different area. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Just something happening somewhere else and seeing how, how other people are faring in Dealing this world. This, okay. Yeah. yeah. I would really like to see that. I think it would be super interesting. So, I really like that. And also, my uh, my game, I want to say it would be uh, Metroid, because I love Metroid, but I'm actually going to go with mm-hmm. Zelda. And now, I am aware that we've already had a terrible... Animated series. animated series. <laughs> uh, that does not count. Um, but I just finished watching the pilot episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, okay. And that really makes me think that a Zelda series could work. Um, but it would be based more around the Breath of the Wild kind of Zelda, okay. where it would be Link every episode kind of going through another adventure or another side quest where, like, Going to fight Ganon, preparing to fight Ganon might be the ultimate goal. I can't wait till you watch The Witcher, because I think once you watch The Witcher, you would probably think it would better work in that way. Really? Yeah. Ooh. We're okay. gonna have to watch The Witcher because she yeah, started I it. Watched it. I want to watch it. We're yeah. gonna watch it, and like once we get back in the new year, we'll have to do like a third segment just yeah. on The Witcher. That's so good. Okay, so because. One of the things that I really liked in The Mandalorian was the idea of, like, the Wanderer, which, Zel- which with Link in the Breath of the Wild really fits that. And then also, The Mandalorian gets, like, an armor upgrade. And I think progressive upgrades is such a, like, untapped thing in TV shows. Yes. Where the main character doesn't just get, like, character growth, but actual physical growth that you see a lot in anime, right? but you don't really see it a lot in, like, mainstream TV shows. And I would love, and that would work so well in a Zelda show where he's getting new items, he's getting new abilities, he's getting new things that help him grow on his journey to ultimately fight Ganon. And I think it could be done really well. I think so, and I think think they could use a lot of practical stuff along the way to save that CG budget for the Ganon fight at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. cool. Alright. Well... I'm glad we we did that. Me too. I did. Yeah. I'm really I like glad we did that. Good right. call. We could even talk about this again more later. Yeah, we can. Like that. I like, really like this. So I think that's the end of our Christmas special. Merry Christmas. We'd just like to say thank you for tuning in and listening. When you hear this, we'll all be on vacation at the time. And um, just from our crew to your crew, we hope you have a wonderful holiday. However you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you do. 
We hope it's special for you and that you get to spend a lot of time with your family and then possibly listen to this podcast with your family. <laughs> yes, please. Um, Do you mind if I hop on? Yes. I just want to say that for everybody listening, for everybody who's stuck with us the last four months, essentially what's now been the first calendar year of this podcast, um, I want to give a huge, huge heartfelt thank you from all of us. Um, we're hoping to get bigger and better as we go. And I feel like over the last four months, the three of us together have grown a lot. I think we've, this podcast has become more and more of what we all want it to be. And I think that it'll only continue to do that. It'll get weirder. I think it'll get even louder. And I think it's going to become more and more out there as we go. And I'm really, really proud of what we're doing. So Darren, Destiny, thank you both for joining me on this wild ride. And I think that once I think that once we hit September of next year, which will be our one year anniversary. Oh my god! Oh, wow. And when we go back. Yeah, I think yeah. that this podcast will continue to become something different to continue to grow. And for everybody who stuck with us, thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you for taking us on this journey, Matt. Because we wouldn't be here without you That's starting. That's true. Me. I'm glad you don't like drink and drive and everything, and we're like really safe on this journey and like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just pulling things out of my ass right now. I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> All right. Well, for the last time this year. Oh, my God. It is the last time. I'm sorry. For the, for the last. It is the last time this year. Can last... I just say goodbye to certain people yes. who haven't. Like, I feel like yes. we should yeah, give, give some shout outs. Give us some shout outs. Okay. So, to Zach. The, all of mine are going to be guys. Do okay. It. To Zach, I want to say thank you for looking into this podcast because I know you don't game. To Fernando, thank you for listening to the podcast. Even though you are a fellow gamer, I'm glad you liked it. To Darren's mom, I don't know you, <laughs> but thank you for listening every week. You're like my biggest fan. <laughs> um, and to the people who work with us at our school who have taken the time to listen to our podcast, thank you. I know we've been kind of shoving it down your throat, so thanks for opening wide. Yeah, <laughs> I like that a lot. Darren? Thank you to Alistair and to Aaron, who are also also following the podcast. Uh, thank you, Alistair, especially, to giving us great notes and feedback and for joining us. Uh, thank you to my brother, my brother Sean, uh, who uh, also keeps up and also gives great feedback and has really different opinions from me. Yay, Sean! Uh, and uh, loves just hearing about it. And thank you to Ryan for only listening to two episodes. And I hope you listen to more yes, and support Ryan. your brother. Ryan, you big support jerk. your brother. Yeah, support Ryan. Him. God. I knew since you were a baby. The f- baby. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just thank you to everybody who's 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 and also Wes uh, Wes who's been catching up and been providing his PC perspective that I think you would get along with him a lot more. Wes, we would totally get along. Also, <laughs> um, can we just say a thank you to Senna? I know Matt could have said that, but I said it first. Damn it! Damn Thanks, it. <laughs> Senna! We love you for babysitting Lilo so she's not barking, for helping with the music and with the editing, and thanks for just being by Matt's side. Yeah, so for my shout-outs, goddammit. Um, I want to give also a huge, huge shout-out to Aaron. Thank you for listening every week. I know you're not big on podcasts, but thank you for sticking with us. I want to give a massive shout-out to Wes as well. Thank you for sending us notes. Give a shout-out to Chris, who finally listened to the podcast. I want to give a shout-out to everyone who's stuck with us. Um, I want to give 
Uh, shout out to my family. I know they don't really listen much, but I know they were very supportive when I started this. But the two biggest shout outs I want to give to first will be Alistair. He was one of the first people that I talked about this with. He was one of the ones that helped push me to start it. He was one of the ones who's listened every single time, who's always messaged back, who's while he's listening is messaging us with what he thinks about what we're talking about and giving notes. Al, I don't think this would have been possible without you being there for me as I was building this. So thank you. And the biggest shout out does go to Senna, who unflinchingly has supported me through all of this and for myself who has had a roller coaster of the last few years she's been by my side through absolutely everything and when i first said hey let's move back to korea and start a podcast she was like all right let's do it so and that's love <laughs> yeah she seriously. unflinchingly has stood by me she has like destiny said babysat our new puppy kept her quiet while we've been recording has offered our home to destiny and darren without ever thinking about it so, I Senna, mean, why would she, though? I'm amazing. Obviously. Senna, even though you can hear me in the next room, I hope. We love you, Senna! <laughs> we love you. We're super, I love you. We're super grateful. And to everyone, thank you. We'll see you next year. Darren, say bye. Bye. Destiny, say bye. See you next year, Space Cowboy. I also just want to give one last big shout out to Mick who went ahead and made the song for us at the beginning he has been a huge supporter of ours he listens quite constantly so Mick I just want to give a big big shout out a big big thank you thank you for giving us the music thank you for making it awesome thank you for being super dope see you guys next year peace out Just hit myself.